Welcome to Deep Spirituality, all you deeply spiritual people out there, whether you're washing dishes, driving your car, mowing the lawn. I don't imagine in California many of us are mowing the lawn, shoveling snow. If I was back in Michigan or Boston, I'd be doing that right now. Even Washington, D.C., actually, if they get snow, you don't shovel. You just stay in your house till the plowmen come by. But wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we're really excited about today. And the reason we're really excited about today is we're going to be introducing a brand new study series. That's right. For $4.95. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to be introducing a brand new study series. And before we get into it, let me tell you, we've got some guests that will be coming up after we lay out a few uh, basics, a few fundamentals of what we've been thinking about. Uh, We've got uh, Rhett, Kiara, Mike, and Amy here today. And we'll be switching on and off with different ones of their voices uh, as we go through Hopefully, you'll get a three-part series out of this, and this is just the introduction. You'll get a three-part series that talks about what we're doing, uh, why we did it, uh, and how to use it. Uh, And hopefully, as you learn and look, uh, you'll give us feedback, uh, because a lot of you have been giving us great feedback when we've seen you uh, in passing uh, on email. I know I've gotten a number of messages on uh, Facebook and text messages of people who uh, let me know. Uh, what they like, um, and uh, we're very excited to deliver it. And so hopefully this uh, new series will really do something special for all of you. Let me get started by uh, reading a couple of quotes that help me out in understanding the importance of courage and the power of fear. The name of the study series is Fearless. In the book by Ron Chernow about Ulysses S. Grant, There's an incredible quote. I love the book. I recommend it. And it says, Lincoln remained silent for what seemed a very long time. He then gathered himself up in his chair and said in a tone of earnestness that I shall never forget, I can't spare this man. He fights. Abraham Lincoln was responding to someone who was trying to remove Ulysses S. Grant from his leadership position because of drinking. And Abraham Lincoln's response was, I can't spare him in the Civil War because he fights. In other, and this will find probably interesting, a contemporary of Lincoln's was Mark Twain. Mark Twain had this quote, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And an even more contemporary person for all of us, because we weren't around when Lincoln and Mark Twain were around, is an article in the Sun Sentinel by Mike Bernardino. And I quote, and it's about Mike Tyson, the fighter, Iron Mike. It says, people are asking me, and this is Tyson talking, people are asking me before a fight, what's going to happen, Tyson said. They were talking about his style. He's going to give you a lot of lateral movement. He's going to move. He's going to dance. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. I said, and this is Mike Tyson's response. I said, everybody has a plan until they get hit. Then like a rat, they stop in fear and freeze. One of the reasons that we are doing a series on fear and fearlessness is because almost all of us deal with fear. My personal experience with that has been multi, multifaceted over multiple decades at every period of my life, because fear is a major issue. Some of us call it insecurity. Some of us call it anxiety. 
but it's fear. And a lot of us don't know how to conquer it. One of the days I was reading and praying and trying to study and learn, and I kept coming back to Goliath and to David. A common story. A lot of people read it. And more sermons and devotionals and Bible studies have been done on David and Goliath probably than anything else. Malcolm Gladwell writes a book for the secular world talking about uh, David and Goliath. It's just an incredible theme. But I went ahead and went to it, figuring that there's always something rich and new to get. And I'm going to take a little time to go through this for you. In 1 Samuel 17 and verse 10, the Bible says, And the Philistines said, and this is talking about Goliath, And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The thing I notice about Saul, King Saul, and a lot of people have noticed this, is he was incredibly afraid. In fact, it says he died because he was unfaithful, but I think the core of Saul's challenge was he was afraid. We've talked about it before. When he was made king, he hid amongst the baggage. He was so incredibly afraid. What is telling in this particular passage is that Saul's fear was infectious. And so not only was he intimidated and afraid when Goliath showed up, and see, Saul was bigger and taller than any Israelite. He was the biggest, tallest, baddest Israelite there was. But when Saul faced somebody who was physically as capable as him, he was afraid. You know, a lot of us, I know I'm this way, I depend on my talent, my ability, my skill, who I am, what I think I am. But then when I run into somebody who's better, suddenly that exposes whether or not I have faith, whether or not I have confidence and security inside, or I'm just a shell. Israel was a shell. And when Goliath showed up, they became dismayed and greatly afraid. Fear is without question the most devastating character weakness we can have in our life. It takes over our mind. It takes over our heart. And for those of us spiritually, it can lead you to guilt. It can lead you to doubt. It can lead you to run want to run away from pain. It can lead to anxiety. It can lead to insecurity. It can take over our lives. In 1 Samuel 17, 28, now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and I, and this, this is when David was speaking to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. David went down and was thinking about, we know this because we know the story, he was thinking about fighting Goliath, and his brother, and the older brother, said basically, I'm going to accuse you of bad motives for being down here. Accusation is one of the things that can cause us to be deeply afraid. In 1 Samuel 17 and verse 32 through 33, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. What's amazing is, right here, David's getting ready to go. And basically, Saul kind of goes, ah, you're too inadequate. You're not trained well enough. You're not capable. Isn't it amazing how when we have a dream and want to do something, there's always somebody that comes up that tells us why we can't do it and gets in our head. Anybody ever get in your head before? They've gotten in mine. In 1 Samuel 17 and verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard 
and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. You know the thing that really helped me with this? Is on First Samuel seventeen thirty four to thirty six. I began to realize, looking at the story, this is not the story of David and Goliath. This is the story of God and Goliath. And that when we make our mistakes, it's always because we think it's about us and Goliath. It's about Russ and Goliath. It's about you and Goliath. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, "Man, I've got this major problem financially, emotionally, relationally. There's no way I can deal with this problem." You're right. There was no way Saul could deal with the problem. His mistake was he thought he could deal with the problem. David came in and went, I can't deal with the problem. God deals with the problem, but I'm more than happy to be the instrument. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is Lord's, and he will give you in our hand. If you're sitting there today, walking along today, if you're like me, you feel a lot of fear. And I look and I go, I felt fear of accusation. You know, whether it's true guilt, false guilt, or residual guilt. We talked about that in previous episodes. Residual guilt being over regret, over I wish I'd been different, wish I'd made a different choice. But guilt just, it's, it destroys us. But the reason that guilt is effective is because of accusation. And when we fear accusation, we don't talk about our guilt. We don't talk about our feelings. So fear of accusation is number one of the five fears I want to introduce to you. Number two is rejection, fear of rejection. Rejection hurts because we feel like rejection, and if you're a Christian, even persecution is personal. It's about who I am. We take it personally who I am and what I believe, rejection of who I am and persecution for what I believe. And a lot of us have grown silent in our lives. We don't even want to talk about our faith because we feel so rejected. Number three is suffering. And who likes that? I fear it. I wake up all the time thinking about when's the sudden disaster going to come? When's it going to go wrong? You know, sun shining, beautiful day. Okay. When's the car going to break down? You know, when the police going to stop me and give me a ticket? You know, it's, it's always thinking something's going to, when's that unexpected bill going to come? When am I going to get sick? When am I going to die? You know, I don't know about you, but I have these thoughts and it's pain. It's a fear of suffering. Not understanding that most of the time suffering is the price of greatness and achievement, enduring the necessary sacrifice or unexpected trouble to get where you're going, to get that dream. Number four out of the five fears to take the fight out of us, failure, fear of failure, the anxiety over finding out that we've wasted our potential, that our expectations haven't been fulfilled, and that our status will never be what we hoped it would be. And number five, insecurity. Why? Over success. You know, it took me a while to get to this one, that sometimes I'm afraid to be successful because it means increased responsibility, increased expectation. People start looking to you and saying, well, you did that. What about this? Or if you're successful, if you look at the sports world, if you're successful, people start tearing you down and going, well, I don't know how long he's going to last. He's probably going to break down. Now, I want you to be thinking right now, do I have any of those five fears to take the fight out of me? If I quit believing, if I quit praying, if I quit reading, if I quit being friends with somebody, am I unwilling to forgive somebody because of my fear of accusation, my fear of rejection, my fear of suffering, my fear of failure, my fear of success? I'm sitting here today with Rhett, Kiara, Mike, and Amy. And you know what we're going to do today? We're going to introduce you to what I think is one of the most transformative, coolest, 
most contemporary and applicable, almost Migos-like, Cameron, Migos-like, Quavo-like studies that you could possibly get. It's called Fearless. And right now, I just want to bring in Mike. I want to bring in Kiara. I bring in Rhett and go ask them, what are your responses to the five fears that take the fight out of us? Yeah, man, I'll jump in. So I appreciated looking, like breaking it down. Sometimes when I think about fear, I think of uh, this this sort of catch-all bad feeling, and then I never sort of dive into it any more than that. So thinking about, um, I mean, I think about pain. I don't like any kind of pain. I don't like discomfort in any way. But I don't always often go, hey, I'm actually afraid of that happening. You know, I'm afraid of of something happening that's going to make me feel discomfort. And so I'm going to avoid it at all at all costs, you know. So um, I, I don't often think about the success because I tend to think very negatively. So I don't even get to the point of going like, <laughs> man, and like I'm not lying awake at night going like, oh, the success. You know? <laughs> that's not typically my problem. But um, but I think breaking it down in uh, the way that you did with that definition helps me because I, I do get afraid of uh, increased right. expectations. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad now. We have a 10 month old little girl and she's the best in the whole wide world. And uh, yeah, but uh, I actually met her. She is the best. She, she is. I was the quietest, record. lack of cryingest baby I've ever seen in my life. I didn't get any of them, man. Yeah, Did yeah. you like get that? At, get her at Target. I, you order her. I do. I do enough for crying for the family. So, she, she felt like she had, enough? To, she had to like, like, well, I got to balance things out a little here. Um, but no, I, I for sure get afraid of more responsibility, more, mm-hmm. more expectations. So. Um, so I have to sort of change my, like it broadens my definition of fear because there's more things I'm afraid of happening in my life. And so it, initially there's like, a, oh my gosh, that's way more fear that I can handle, but it's actually helpful breaking it down because it's more manageable. Have you ever seen fear keep you from wanting to lead? Oh yeah, absolutely. Explain. Every, so, I mean, there's lots of, uh, you know, leadership opportunity. I mean, there's leading at home, there's, you know, leading, mm-hmm. In terms of taking, deciding I'm going to take, I'm going to care about people. And, and Which one of the five do you think affects you most when it comes to being a leader? Because there's a lot of people out there who I think relate to everything you just said. Mm-hmm. And I know to me, one of the things you've worked hard to try to overcome is a fear of leading. Right. Which one of the ones do you think ha- or two have the most impact on you wanting to be a leader? Yeah, that's going to be either suffering or failure. So I don't know, suffering seems like too strong, but there's that sort of, you know, necessary sacrifice. Like it's... And it's tough because I, I don't want to like make it out to seem like there's like, you know, my, my life is in trouble or, or there's yeah. physical torment or anything, yeah. but there's just that sort of everyday emotional suffering that we get of like, yeah. uh, man, I'm going to have a conversation and it may not go exactly how I have planned. Yeah. And how do I deal with the, the negative? That's emotions, emotional right? suffering. Yeah, absolutely. There's all kinds of suffering, right? You've yeah. got emotional, you've got physical, you've got mental suffering. Right. Uh, right. You've got in some sense relationship strife and stress is suffering. And, and I get scared to death that like sometimes it's like the block. They come like to think of a story like so I when we were working on these these Bible studies, mm-hmm. these devotions for folk, like we mm-hmm. wanted everyone to benefit from them. But we especially had like teenagers in mind because we thought high school is the that's the time when, you know, you probably need the most guidance <laughs> through through all this stuff. And it, it made me think of uh, in high school for myself, like I wrestled in high school and um, but I had a lot of fear. Right. And. Uh, at the time, I wasn't figuring this stuff out. This is reflection. So this this kind of exercise helped me a lot. And in wrestling, like the, the time where I get most freaked out was uh, before the match. And if you go to a tournament, you get to the school at 6 a.m. and you bus in. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you, do, you do weigh-ins, right? And the whole time it's... Um, it's not quite like, you know, in the, the pay-per-view boxing where they're face-to-face going, more like the, more like the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So, you know, there's 
lines of people, everybody's sort of getting, getting weighed in and, yeah. you know, doing their, their jumping jacks, last minute, uh, cutting weight and stuff. Right. Um, and then, you know, then you go to the bleachers and you're sort of waiting, they're going by weight class. So I'm one fifty twos. And so I have to wait for all the earlier weight classes to go through. And the whole time I'm sitting in the bleachers, just like stress, knowing at any, any moment is going to be quick, you know, they're going to call my name and then I'm going to have to go up and then I'm going to see my opponent. Ah. And then, and then, and then the long walk to the table where they hand the you the long match walk. <laughs> and then you Dead see, man walking. and then you see the, the grown man with like, I'm like, there's no way that's a high school. Like that person <laughs> like, and I remember seeing him and just stone cold killer eyes, you know, looking, I'm like, Oh man. Wow, really? And then you're walking over to the mat and then, you know, you're walking opposite sides. Yeah. And then you come up and then there's that super slow motion of just walking towards each other. Yeah. You know, to the line, the ref kind of checks you both. Oh boy. And the hand goes up to call them. And so that whole moment is just, it's a combination of super freaked out and a lot of adrenaline. After you pinned the guy, what did he say? (laughs) He said, uh, hey man, can I learn from you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was by no means a superstar. I won my matches. I lost mine too. But um, it was that moment, everything before, you know, and then once you go, you know, if you win a match, you get your confidence a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even if you lose, you can kind of You're learn. talking about the anticipation. The anticipation. So sometimes it's just the thought of what's going to happen. Would so it I be can accurate lose to before say, I start. Would it be accurate to say the anticipation of suffering? Absolutely. Yep. So you fear the anticipation. You anticipate yeah. the suffering. And you fear. So yeah. you never even actually always experience the suffering. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you experience it mentally and emotionally before it even happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So I probably lost matches before they even started. Yeah. And likewise, I remember one match where, uh, you know, I was this dude. I'm like, this dude is bigger than me. Like, there's he's got muscles. I didn't know he could get muscles there. And, <laughs> I didn't even know we, you could <laughs> get muscles there on your and nose. And I remember, like, I ended up getting him in a head and arm and flipping them and pinning them real quick. And it surprised me. I was like, how did that happen? Yeah. Right. Now I got real cocky and I met the guy later the next year and he remembered me and mopped me up pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember this like, man, why was I so like stressed? That was yeah. a real basic move. So I, I've had it both ways. I've psyched myself out well, and lost. You, you're making to. a tremendous point. We'll get Rhett and Kiari in on this and uh, maybe Kankar can get in right after you. Uh, but um, the point you make really, really well is that we can be defeated. We can have, I call it the five fears that take the fight out of us. We can be defeated before we actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm that way too. Honestly, Gail will tell me, my mom will tell me that my wife is, uh, uh, she, she, she will tell me you're too much in your head. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I would do that in basketball when I was growing up. I do that all the time is I'm in, I overthink. Right. And part of what yeah. fear does is it makes you overthink. Mm-hmm. And in fact, most of the suffering we're going to go through in life is going to happen anyway. <laughs> like, like if you're going to get a cold, you know, you can try as hard as you want, but if you're going to get a cold, you're going to get a cold. So you can either be so afraid I'm going to get a cold right. that you, you know, make yourself sick. Well, and all that anticipation, I feel like just lets you get more time to think of all the ways and manifestations yes. like those things can happen, you know, so yeah. it's just way like unnecessary and whatever you would have experienced otherwise is so much more minimal compared to, you know, what you just imagined up in your head. Now, so I'm going to I'm going to slip the scripture the in because I think there that we should uh do this because of what you just said, 1 Samuel 17, 48 to 50 it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. You know, you gave new meaning to that verse to me. Mm. David ran to Goliath. Right. Instead of sitting there thinking about how big he was, how tall he was, how powerful yeah. he was, Faith makes you run to the fight mm-hmm. instead of run away from the fight. Right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely relate to that. I think out of all the 
fears. I relate to the fear of rejection because mm-hmm. I'm for sure in my head. I'm always thinking about what people are going to think of me and how I present myself. I've already accused myself. I'm, you know, when you have like the thought of like, this is what this person is thinking of me right now. Like I would have that Absolutely. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, I was afraid of like what people thought of me because I was Latin. So I would try to like hide that. I'm like, oh, some people think I'm not. Why would so, you hide that? Because I was you... I was afraid of um, I was afraid of like them assuming different things about me. What would that... they assume about being Latin that you can do the salsa dances? <laughs> I, well, I that no too, idea. which I totally cannot. So I, you know, I <laughs> you was can speak Spanish that. though, right? I can speak Spanish. Okay, I definitely speak legit. Spanish. You're legit. <laughs> But what, yeah. were you, what, what are the stereotypes you were? Because I know when I was growing up, the stereotype about black people was they could dance, they needed to smile, they played sport. I can't remember them all. Mm-hmm. There were all these. You're dumb. You're not intelligent. Yeah. There are all these these stereotypes. So what what were this what were the Latin stereotypes you were afraid that high school? Because I think what, you're, what we want to think about is is Mike or somebody already alluded to. We started out thinking these studies would be great for 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 teenagers yeah. to help teenagers. When I started studying fear and that's when i came up with the idea of calling it fearless yeah i was doing it for myself as an adult and and i never sit down and go let me go work on figuring out something for someone else mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out my confusing random life <laughs> and and if you benefit from the drippings of the the, the you know the, the fried turkey that i'm making then great but i want to know because <laughs> i think it would help there's teenagers out there listening to this and parents out there listening to this who have Latin kids, who have African-American kids, who have Asian children, who are going to schools maybe where they have those same fears, it would really help them to hear from you. What are those things, what is it like to face that and what are the things you face? Okay, so I guess the assum- the stereotypes that I was afraid of being put on me was that, that I was lazy, not smart, that mm. I was, I mean, we are immigrants, but that it was done illegally or that, that you know, that it was, there's something shady really? going on. Really? So you on. actually, you yeah. actually would think about that? Yeah, I would think about wow. that. I would be afraid of what people hmm. assumed of and me. And I'm not, I'm not making light of it. I'm saying that I think for a lot of our listeners, they're probably going, oh, I didn't know a person. I mean, you know, you went to a really good school, University of San Francisco. Yeah. You're a really, really good student. You're really smart. I mean, all the, you got all this stuff that's going for you. Someone, if someone really wants to know, they could, you know, they can me and ask you, I mean, you're a really talented individual. So what's amazing is that, even though you had all those abilities and gifts, society and the way society is forced you to question and doubt yourself and and and, and be afraid people were going to judge you and not, mm-hmm. not get to know you. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And so the effect of that on you was? Well, I mean, then I just pretended all the time. I purposely made myself be in um, – I took all the AP classes, which I was – really like struggling in because Mm -hmm. I also had a really hard time focusing. It wasn't until college that it was like, oh, you have ADHD and went to like three different doctors. I'm like, I want to struggle the way you struggle. You got a university of San Francisco. (laughs) I'm not not making light of your struggle. I'm just going, man, there's some people out there going, man, I'll struggle like that. Give me some some of those struggles. Can I order three struggles with a chocolate shake? uh, But I would lie about it. Like I would just pretended like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, like I never talked about how hard school was. I never talked about how hard it was to just sit down and make myself write a paper. Is that something that you find um, that you're effective at doing with teenagers now that you can sit down with teenagers and struggle and you can say, look, I really struggled here specifically how I struggled. These are the specific thoughts that went through my head. Are you able to do that now? Uh, no, <laughs> it's hard to do that now. Yeah, that's okay. I think that's totally okay. See, I think for me, you know, I'm, I'm so much older than you that, I, you know, I have to go back, but there are at each iteration of my life, I've had to learn how to have the the security and humility because they fit together yeah. to say, 
I'm not good at this mm-hmm. or I'm not good at that. This person's better at this than me. Yeah. And I think what that actually is means you've grown to a level of confidence where you really don't. And I think for, for teenagers and for people working with teenagers like you and Rhett, and I'm going to get Rhett in here as soon mm-hmm. as we can, you and Rhett working with teenagers, I, I know for me, Tell you a quick story. I got to get out of here because I'm talking too much. But when I've, I've told this story before, but uh, Gary Hardiman is a name that means a lot to me. And, and hmm. he called me not that many years ago. Or no, it was actually it was more. It was, it was years ago. The older you get, the closer it was. Um, but uh, I'd gone home to my hometown in Michigan and uh, I um, came back home and he called me here. I was actually in the middle of a meeting and said, so I heard you were in town. And he used to be my sister's boyfriend in high school. And uh, uh, my sister was very popular. She had a lot of boyfriends. He was my favorite. And he would uh, come to take her on dates. And he would um, say, hey, what are you doing? Because she'd always be running late. And he'd play basketball with me. And he would he would show me how to play basketball. right? And until then, I was a nerdy kid. They called me the professor. They called me Astrodome, made fun of my head because it was big. I mean, all these things, right? And so I felt pretty bad about that i didn't i don't know that i felt bad about myself i was not that aware at 11 you know but <laughs> i think i i just knew that i don't like how that feels to be called that yeah and he would come and he would show me how to play and we would play time and time again and he went on to play college basketball and never knew that i went on to play uh varsity high school basketball he never knew that and he was the reason and when he called me he said hey i just want to let you know um i uh your sister was never running late for the dates, I came early to work with you on how to play basketball. That's cool. And it was only like, I was think I was 38 when he called me and told me that. Hmm. I think you can underestimate how much it means to a teenager to have someone or middle schooler older than them sit down and he would talk to me and explain how difficult it was for him to learn how to play basketball and this guy was so good it was just ridiculous <laughs> but he'd be like oh i used to not be able to do that now i don't even know if that's true but <laughs> he said i could do that and i think what you want to do both of you guys Rhett and Kara, who you work with teenagers and i'm excited yeah. about that and mike and amy have done it all four of you have to remember a teenager is a human being looking for inspirational examples mm-hmm. that's fundamentally what they are and when you have a learning challenge any form of disability if you've had to face any obstacles, Brett um, and I share some common obstacles with having to deal with, you know, alcohol in the family and extended family. And when you have that kind of experience, it is powerful when you're talking to teenagers who have that experience because they can look at you and say, I can make it. Yeah. And so our fears overcome free other people up yeah. to overcome their fears. What are you thinking, Rhett? Sorry, say that one more time. I said, what are you thinking? No, that our fears over... Oh, if I could say that again, I would really wish I could. I just did that. Our fears 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 overcome help other people overcome their fears or become free from their fears. When we we see our fears and talk about them, and we go through that journey to overcome them, and a teenager listens to us, then they overcome their fears. And I had a lot of guys in my life when I was a teenager, and I wasn't going to church or anything. But they took that time. And I'm just telling both of you, I'm telling all yeah, of you, yeah, yeah. if you will take the time, especially with the gifts you've been given, care to go, I couldn't focus. Guess where I went to college? Yeah. You know, it just makes the kid go, oh, I don't have to give up and satisfy myself with mediocrity. I can go, I could still be great, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's it's been really helpful working on these different Bible studies because I realize how much time I haven't spent thinking about high school and putting myself in that space to sure. relate with the kids. Of course. Um, but seeing how many, well, one, how these studies would benefit, but two, the fears that, how many fears I had. Right. Um, and it's been cool thinking about, I guess the, one of the things was just being really afraid of people, you know? And so it's cool, I guess, talking to the kids now about, I mean, now almost every week I get up and speak in front of, you know, 50, 70 kids, you know, and talk about my life and talk about the things that, that I had to go through or the things that I've tried to overcome and just try to be vulnerable. Um, and so I think that, I don't know that that's helped different kids um, that I've worked with. Like, uh, what have you been vulnerable about? Vulnerable about? Yeah. Like, um, what, what's been? What have they been excited? What do they get excited about when you tell them? You know, when they tell them about your Olympic uh, skiing <laughs> uh, gold medal. I mean, what, what do they get excited about? What do they get? It excited can be big. About? It can be little. Yeah. Like what? Because because I know. Yeah, how I think are. what one, do they? One know? thing is is uh, when I talk about family a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean that's everyone has a lot of feelings about that, and so for me. Uh, one is, is my relationship with my dad, uh, which everyone can kind of, not everyone, but that seems to be something a lot of people have struggles with. And so my dad and I, uh, I guess we just didn't really know how to, I didn't know how to connect with him yeah, a lot of the times. He, uh, he, <laughs> he was a, a really good athlete. Like he, Ooh, he worked. At, you he never played, gave me that information. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he a went player. to. Yeah, so he went he to modern day high school. Uh, he, he played went to football. Modern day, yeah, and played football. Are there. you kidding? Yeah, they just won the South CIF again. Dude, they've been winning. They've Dang. been winning junk since I was in high school. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. are dominant. Yeah, so him, he was he was an athlete. My grandpa, he's in the Hall of Fame at Chapman for basketball. Of course, so, he is because where did he play for a while? UCLA under yeah. who? Wooden. That's. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> Even though he's not my grandfather, I kind of feel like we're close. <laughs> yeah. So, so I played football in in fifth and sixth grade. Uh, but dude, I. So I, you're saying when I you're talking got... to these teenagers about your your relationship with your dad, they really relate to that. What 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 you know? Kiara was sharing some really really cool personal things. You know, weaknesses versus strengths and that kind of stuff. Which ones of yours do the kids get excited about when they? Or, or do you find it difficult to share those things too? Yeah, I find it difficult to think about because I I ignored it and denied it so much. Like, ah. that's what I'm learning now is like, wow, I was like terrified of people and terrified of like the fear of success one. Like, I didn't relate that that's what, what it was. Right. But I never wanted to be in any clubs. I never wanted to be up in front of the class. Okay. Like, I never... Mm. Like I wanted to avoid as much as possible, avoid do scrutiny, you think, examination. Do you think that you're unique in that way or do you think a lot of people would want to avoid all that? Uh, I, I think it's, I think a lot of people like to get attention and feel good about yeah. themselves. And so there's a lot of people like that, but then, so I'd say it's 50, 50. Do, uh, do you guys agree with that? Well, I was, when, when you say avoid, do you mean like, cause I, I think a, like there's a void, like just, I'm going to hide out in my room or in a cave or something. So no one sees me or right. like blend in. Cause I was, I was uh, very much like a, a blend in conform, like just find a way to like least resistance, like don't make any waves, which yeah. I think is a void too. But I don't know. I just think that that could go a couple of different ways. And I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning high school ret right now. So I want to complete the, high the school ret. Uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of, yeah. Hide, I guess. Like I, I didn't necessarily blend blend in as far as try to fit in because i liked a lot of really weird like unique stuff like i wore like <laughs> super tight pants and like these black t-shirt yeah. band t-shirts and i was just kind of super tight pants yeah yeah what was your favorite band in high school 
uh, Atreyu, yeah. this super metal band. <laughs> Never but, but there was a lot heard of, of them. There was a <laughs> lot of things that I that, that I wanted to do, but I I didn't like. I wanted to be an ASB and thought I was really cool, but I was like, oh, what's I, ASB? Oh, associate student body. So the people who like president of the school, vice president, oh, okay. or they, mm. they run a lot of the activities, Yeah. but I was like, okay, then I have to get up there and give a speech yeah. and you have to be creative and funny yeah. and you have to do these skits. And what yeah. if I'm not? And then people are going to think I'm lame or weird. Yeah. So I just decide like, you know what? ASB stupid. Like I, those people, I don't like that. I don't, mm. I don't want anything. Let me ask you a question. So kept... If you're talking about all that, how do you feel about it? Cause sometimes when you're talking and I want to get it from, from all of you, I want like, how do you feel talking about all this? Is it uncomfortable? Is it comfortable? Well, it's to, to me. I don't know. I'll just I don't want to interject, except I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, part it's in a way it's sort of fun and relieving and cathartic a little bit to do it in retrospect, like the high school examination stuff. Maybe not everybody had like a. It depends on what your high school experience mm-hmm. was like, but uh, for me, it's harder in like real time. You know, like even you like talking about this avoid topic, and because and for me in high school, like I felt the same way i was afraid of everything but i for whatever reason then handled it by like well maybe if i did newspaper maybe if i did the yearbook maybe if i did the service yeah. commission so i signed up for like as many things possible so you <laughs> yeah. did all those things i did all those things okay. right i did like everything i could sign up for i did like sports and i did the drama play thing you know but wow but all those things like i was like equally like i didn't really stand out mm-hmm. yeah I didn't have a lot of friends in all those kind of groups so i was just sort of looking for somewhere to belong yeah right and so I think I couldn't figure it out at the moment how much I wanted to be part of something. I like that phrase you just used, looking for somewhere to belong. Hmm. See, Trademark it. I, I, yeah, I already did. <laughs> While you were doing that, I made a couple of emails, messages back and forth to my attorneys. He's good. Um, I, how, how do you guys feel when you're talking about it? Uh, it makes me kind of bummed out, I guess, thinking about how much more I could have done, how much happier I feel like I could have been or how much I could have experienced or enjoyed or how much closer I could have been to different people. Like I I was telling Kiara this the other day, there was one of the few things I did was at our high school, we have this huge air guitar competition. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so (laughs) so everyone comes up with these skits and they're five minutes long and it's like a kind of a mixtape and you dress up and you do all this crazy stuff. And my, my buddy did that on a podcast, but it's really impossible. My buddy convinced air me to do it. Air guitar on a podcast? <laughs> yeah, you can't. Just the concept of air guitar is a little losing me, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so you get up, you get up in front of the entire school I, and parents. Yeah, I believe you, you. Yeah, you you pretend and you you lip sync to all these songs and you wear ridiculous costumes, like all sorts of stuff. Playing air guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And and you dance routines, so you do choreographed dances. <laughs> and you were and, in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, yeah. Get, the, let's get the video camera. I know. <laughs> yeah. Please. I would love to find that video. Actually. So what's the story behind this? Oh, just that I, afterwards I was like, wow, that was so fun. Like yeah. that was awesome. And it was, it was spring of my senior year. And I, and I remember thinking like, wow, why didn't I do stuff like this more often? Like this is like, when you were in high school. You thought, Yeah. That. Yeah. I was like, man, why did I always want to be kind of away? And just like, I was happy. I just kept telling myself, oh, I'm happy with my, my three or four friends yeah. and I just need them and yeah. which, which I loved them and it was great. Yeah. But I, w- I wish I would have had kind of a, I don't know, more uh, free experience. I didn't yeah. feel free to just do Why whatever I wanted. Why didn't you I feel wanted. free? Because I was so worried about what are people going to think? What if it doesn't go well? What if I do? What if I don't do it well? What if... Um... And that worry is what we're calling fear. Yeah. And uh, I really want I want to get in here and find out before we, we close out this episode. I want to find out what Kiara, what Kiara's feelings were too. But, um, you know, 
one of the things I think can happen is we can look back in our life. I do it too. Um, and think, boy, if I had done this, I'd have been more ha- happier. I'd have been happier, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the matter is fear in the past has the same effect as fear in the present. Right. So the, re- the, 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 the real issue for, for me is not whether or not I did or didn't do something when I was in high school, middle school, elementary school, in college, or whatever. It's not that. Mm-hmm. The real issue is, is the same fear that controlled me then still yeah. controlling me now? Yeah. And so I don't think personally – that any of us would be any happy. Like if I played football, yeah. I don't think I'd be any happier. Yeah. If I'd scored touchdowns, I don't think I'd have been any happier. If I had chosen to go to a different university, I don't think I'd have been any happier. Because whatever deterred me was fear, not the event, not the not the not the thing. Right. And and that's why we're doing this study fearless. I think what I want uh, us all to grasp and to pass on, and I hope all you listeners out there will help us do it is the idea of the studies about fearless was not only to put something together that teenagers would like, but to put something together that would change our lives, that make us sit back. And that's what I'm trying to do, is sit back and look at my life and say, okay, Russ, what fears have been controlling you that keep you from doing what God wants you to do? And that's my, that's my list of five. They take the fight out of me. And if we want to be really spiritual, Ephesians 5 talks about the capacity to fight in the darkness, you know, to fight the spiritual battle. A lot of fighting the spiritual battle is the fiery arrows of Satan or fears that fire at us. So if I were in your shoes, which I am, because mm-hmm. I'm going through the same thing, I'd be sitting back and saying, how old are you? 27. I'm 27 years old. So I'm I'm pretty young guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to a 15-year-old, but to <laughs> I'm a pretty young guy. And so the question isn't, how can I go back and be involved in more air guitar right. concerts? <laughs> Although you should. No, the question is, what are the air guitar concerts of today that you're missing out on because you won't overcome your fears? Hmm. The question isn't, could I yeah. be happier then? Yeah. But how can I be happier today, right? Mm-hmm. And if we explore that, and if you sit down with teenagers and do that, that's what I spent my time. I was a, I worked with teenagers for a long time. And I, I thought I was really good at the time. As I've gotten older, I go, boy, I was, that, that was, oh boy. You know, I was so immature, so undisciplined. So all these things that I go, if I, you know, I wish I could have been better. Yeah. yeah. But I did, I yeah. did, I did good for different people. But the point of the matter is that what I learned from that experience is if you're going to be a great worker with teenagers you have to be so open yeah. so vulnerable yeah. because they have 10,000 times more fears than any of us ever <laughs> dreamed of and so it's that continual conversation that makes the difference but here's the kicker every time we help our own teens if we're a parent of a teen I am or we help uh, our friends we we reach that same that same space where we overcome our fears and then help them overcome theirs Kara how does it feel for you to talk about these things Okay, so honestly, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. it, I I feel almost like embarrassed talking about some of the things because it's still I'll feel what I felt then, yeah. like when I was in high school and I'm talking about the just wanting to fit in or not being perceived a certain way. I can I still feel that, and yeah. I can think I just need to be over it, right. or I should have gone over mm, it. So right. remembering that stuff makes me feel, I guess, yeah, like embarrassed or I. Or ashamed or whatever, instead of seeing this is still my fear that I need to continue conquering. It's just in a different phase in my life right now. Because yeah. I did the, I was afraid of responsibility and all that. But I was like Mike. I did get myself involved in a lot of things, but I was pretending to 
to be something I wasn't. Even, I mean, even we're talking about race. I was part of the Asian club. I was part of the Polynesian club. I thought you were Latin. (laughs) Yep, I was. I am. (laughs) But I wanted to. I wanted to be so accepted. How you know? Men's basketball club. <laughs> okay. And I did sports that I had no like reason to be involved in at all. I did water polo without knowing what water polo was, and then almost drowned. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's a great that's story. I, love that story. I, I almost and... drowned too when I was in fourth or fifth grade. But that's a great story. It was in high school. It was. Terrible. You did water polo. Uh-huh. Didn't know what it was and almost drowned. Wait, water. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I met some friends. I really wanted to have friends. They're like, oh, we're doing water polo. And I'm like, I'll do it too. Didn't I? For some reason, I thought it was like volleyball, but you're in shallow water or something. And, but it's, it's like but you nasty. Know, you know, here's the funny thing, awesome. right, Rhett? Here's the funny thing. And by the way, Rhett and Kiara are our are, are, are girlfriend boyfriend. Hey. So here, here, here's the funny thing, right? I'm listening to Kiara talk, and I'm going, she doesn't even see the great thing she did, right? Uh-huh. Totally. She doesn't even see it. It's not the water polo. That's not it. She said, I did what my friends were doing. Mm. She had friends. Mm-hmm. Got them. Most kids and adults don't have friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And see, you're thinking about how well you did at the water polo instead of thinking about the friends. Yeah. Anyone who has friends knows how to overcome fear. Yeah. Mm. You know, fearless. That's the study series. We're going to talk more about that in episode two. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to check out our website at deepspirituality.net and our YouTube channel called Deep Spirituality. If you enjoyed these episodes, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And thanks for listening.